if you haven't been here the past couple weeks, uh, our series, our lessons have been on the, th- the three gifts of the Magi, which most of us would probably know are gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so we've been looking at these three gifts and kind of the deeper meanings behind them. And we've, we've talked about every single week that these could have totally just been arbitrary gifts that they brought that had no meaning. They had no thought behind them or anything like that. But I think personally, in my heart, that whether or not the wise men meant to bring these gifts for these reasons, that God intended for these gifts to be given to symbolize three things about who Jesus was and who he would become. And so we looked a couple of weeks ago at our first gift of gold, and we talked about how Jesus is a king. And he's not a king of this world or of this earth. He's a king of a spiritual world and an, an eternal king, the king of kings. And that was why they brought him the gift of gold, was to symbolize royalty and that Jesus was a king. And then last week we looked at frankincense. I almost said Frankenstein. I'm not even kidding. Okay. Frankincense. Okay. We looked at frankincense and we talked about how in the Old Testament, the high priests were the people who, who would do offerings, sacrifices for the people. And they had to go into this place that was the Holy of Holies. And they would burn frankincense as the, the prayer, the offering, and the smoke was supposed to be symbolic of that going up to God. And so we talked about how not only is Jesus a high priest, <clears throat> he's the high priest of high priests, but we talked about how he is the interceder for us between us and God. He is what opened a line of communication between us as humans and God so that we can pray to God. <clears throat> so naturally, that leaves us with our last gift, which is myrrh. And if you don't know what myrrh is, just like you may not have known what frankincense was, it is also a hardened tree sap, okay? So these were very similar gifts between frankincense and myrrh. So it's a hardened tree sap. And again, it can be distilled and turned into a liquid to be used for perfumes and oils and stuff like that. Or it can be left whole in its hardened form And it can be used to store things to preserve them. So, again, this wasn't a super normal gift to give a baby, right? This was was probably a very expensive um, item, okay? And this wouldn't have been something you would have given a normal baby, but it might have been if you were giving it to a baby that was particularly special or uh, from a, a... well-off family or something like that. And, and so like, as I've said, I don't, you know, we can't know whether the wise men knew the meanings behind these gifts that they gave, or if God had this intended meaning set aside for, for the wise men not to understand, but for us to maybe look back and say, I see why they did that. But I feel that God does not have things happen just by chance. I think everything that God does is for a reason. And I think that uh, every, you know, from the gifts to where, like, I mean, you look at Old Testament prophecy of, of where Jesus was to be born and how 
all these earthly things like a census being taken by the government, okay? Like, that's what led Mary to go to Bethlehem, which is where God said that Jesus would be born, was in Bethlehem. And, and so you look at all these earthly things that didn't make any sense, but God used human interaction and things to get his point across or to make things happen. And so I definitely believe in the fact that there are no coincidences, only God instances. And so we see this, these gifts, and we look at why these gifts would be given to Jesus. Now, myrrh is an interesting gift because it typically served two purposes in, in the modern day of Jesus's time. The first purpose was this idea of beautification, okay? We see multiple times if you're reading scripture where myrrh is used for beautification. One notable time that I can point to for you if you're like, oh, I need an example, is if you look at the story of Esther, whether you know the story of Esther or not, okay, she was, a, she was someone who went before the king to, uh, to, but with other women for the king to essentially choose his wife. And if you read in that book, Esther and all the other women, before they went to the king, they were sprayed or put on myrrh. So it was this thing of beauty, right? It was basically like perfume or makeup would be today. So, so myrrh was this thing that was associated with beautification. Sometimes you would read or see of a king or a high priest using myrrh to make themselves have the scent of beauty. So if you smelled myrrh, you associated that with something being beautiful. So no one, you know, <clears throat> it would make sense that if, if a baby had the future that Jesus was going to have, and, and if the wise men knew this, like, like obviously the idea of who the Messiah was and the life he would lead was not a secret. You could read the Old Testament and you can see that. But if the wise men knew this, this gift would make sense because Jesus is a king. He's a high priest. He is someone of value. He is someone that in a sense could be considered beautiful for what he was to do. So this gift of myrrh kind of can make sense from a beauty standpoint. However, there's a second use for myrrh. There's a second way that they used myrrh back then. And I think when we look at that, we can see a lot more connections to why this gift of myrrh would have been given to Jesus by the wise men. And myrrh was used back then. The second use was for embalming and preserving of dead bodies. Now, again, on the surface, if you were saying, I'm giving you this because it's used to embalm and preserve dead bodies, here you go, baby. Like, that's a weird gift to give a baby, right? Like, why would you give a baby <clears throat> stuff that's used essentially in funerals? However, if we know what, what we know now, if we look back at the wise men and assume that maybe they read the Old Testament and they understood who Jesus was, because obviously we see that they understood his importance. 
by the fact that they followed this star to him. They referred to him as a king. They, they brought these gifts of great value to him. So un, they understood who Jesus was. Then it makes sense that they would bring a gift that was to be used in death. Because if they knew who Jesus was, they knew why he came. And the reason why Jesus came to earth was to die. And so we look at this idea of why did Jesus come to this earth just to die? Why would God send his only son to this earth for an, for an entire existence that was only an existence so that it would end in death? That doesn't make a lot of sense. Until we really look at why this was the only reason, this was the only way that God could have done what he did through Jesus. So why did Jesus come to die? Well, the answer to this question is us. It's me. It's you. It's everyone in this room. It's everyone in this city. It's everyone in this state. It's everyone in this country. It's everyone in this world. Every single one of us is the reason why Jesus came to die. You see, humanity, or, or us as humans, every individual human has an imperfect nature. And, and if you don't believe me, have children, okay? They can, like, not even know what they're doing, and they're in here tonight, so I better not talk too badly about them. But, <clears throat> like, you can have a kid that doesn't even understand why they're lying to you or why they're behaving badly. They don't understand, but they do. Humans have, by nature, an imperfectness about them. We are sinful people, and we live sinful lives. We do sinful things. And, and you know, when we sin, we sin against God. Because God has, has established and, and set this code of life for us, this code of conduct, these rules, these, these things that we are called to follow as people created by God. Okay? Not even as Christians. As people created by God, he gives us these things, these commands for us to follow. And when we sin, it's against God. And it's much different than us sinning against other people. When we, when we act against someone else, a lot of times we can atone for that mistake we made by doing something else to make up for it. So like today, <clears throat> if I were to act against one of you, like let's say I broke, okay, I'm trying to think of a good example. Let's say someone let me borrow their pocket knife to cut into something and I, I break the blade off, okay? Okay, they'd be pretty mad at me, right? I broke their knife. I could go to the store and I could buy them a new knife, even a nicer knife, and give it to them and say, I'm really sorry I broke your knife. And in that moment, they would probably forgive me because I atoned for that mistake, right? I, I, I made up for the thing that I did bad. 
Unfortunately, when it comes to God and when we sin against God, we don't have this ability to do things to make stuff up to God. You see, when, when we sin against God, see, God is not a human like us. So, so when we sin against another human, we create a human debt, right? Like we understand what a debt is. Like you, you, you borrow something and you owe it back. So if, if you sin against another human, you owe them a human debt. I break your knife, I go buy you a new knife. When you sin against God, however, you owe him a spiritual debt. And see, the only person, the only thing that can pay off a spiritual debt is a spiritual being, meaning God and God alone. And, and so, if we as humanity, humans, owe a spiritual debt to God, the only way that that spiritual debt can be paid off is by someone who is at the same time human and at the same time God. Do we understand that? Because it has to be a human that pays off the human side of the debt, but it also has to be God because they have to be someone who can pay off the spiritual side of the debt. And so we needed someone who was at the same time God and at the same time man. And when we look, we find that that is no one other than Jesus Christ. He was fully man, he was fully human, but at the same time, he was also fully God. And he had to pay the spiritual debt that we owed to God. And if you look in the scriptures, specifically in the book of Romans, it says what the wages of our sin is, what the cost of our sin is, and Romans tells us that that is death. So Jesus' entire existence as someone who was fully man and fully God was to pay this debt of death on behalf of each and every one of us that has ever lived, lived then, and has lived since up until today. Not until, like, up until the existence of the end of the world. So Jesus' entire existence was to pay this debt of death on our behalf. Looking at it this way, looking at it as, as the fact that Jesus' only existence was to pay a debt of death for our lives. This gift of myrrh makes total sense that you would give this baby a gift that is intended for someone who is to die. Now the interesting thing about myrrh is it was used... To preserve dead bodies. Meaning that there is some sort of connotation or some sort of belief or ex expectation that there would be surviving beyond death. Which, which, to be totally honest, when you look at who Jesus is, we know that he had to also conquer death. He had to conquer the debt of death of us he had to conquer that and raise from the dead to fully fulfill his role as this atoning sacrifice and so it makes sense when we when we know that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day that myrrh would be something that would have been used to preserve his body in an expectation that he was to rise again 
So this gift of myrrh went simply beyond signifying that Jesus' life was intended to be a spiritual, uh, a spiritual sacrificial death. It also signifies a promise of resurrection and a fulfillment of prophecy. And guys, let me tell you right now, this gift of myrrh that signifies this same, this same resurrection of Jesus also signifies the resurrection of each and every one of us when we give our lives to him. Right? Like we, we, we talk all the time in here about if you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved and you will be resurrected from this de- life of death into an eternal life with God. And so this myrrh is not just a gift that's for Jesus to signify who he was, that he came to die a sacrificial death, and that he was to be raised again. But it also shows a gift that we are to be raised again. And see, this, this complex explanation of this simple gift of myrrh truly ends... In what God has intended for each and every one of us. And that is to have a path to eternal life with him. And I told you guys I wasn't going to, tell, I wasn't going to teach for a long time tonight. And, and, and I, but I really wanted to make sure that we got to not only finish this series on gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And, and if you are here for the first time tonight since we started that... They're all already on the podcast page. If you don't know where to find that, just a little student ministry. You can find Golden Frankincense and hear exactly what those meant. But I thought it was so important that tonight we heard about what myrrh is, why it was given to Jesus, and what it means for each and every one of us in our own lives. And let me tell you something right now. If you're sitting here tonight and you have not confessed that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you need to experience this resurrection that is, I just talked about. This, this preserving of Jesus' body so that he could be raised again and, and create a path of salvation for us. You need to accept that tonight. Guys, I, I, I can't make it any clearer than that. And I know that I stand up here all the time and, and tell you guys what that means and how to do this. And it's because it's the most important thing you can ever do is give your life to Jesus Christ. And so I'm not going to, you know, I know this is a Christmas party and we're here to have fun and we're here to have a good time. And guys, we're, we're totally about to do that. But I don't want you to leave here tonight not knowing whether or not you would spend eternity with God in heaven if something if you were to die tonight. I can think of no better Christmas gift to me, to God, to anyone else than you giving your life to Jesus tonight. So I'm going to pray for you guys. And if you have any questions about that, if you have any concerns about where you stand with God tonight... Please come talk to me, come talk to Haley, come talk to an an adult about what it means to follow Jesus Christ with your life. But I'm going to pray for you guys real quick, and then we'll talk about how the next part of this is going to work. God, thank you so much.
for the gift of your son. God, it seems crazy to us that you would send your only son, whom you love, down to the earth, not just to live a life, not just to be a, be a man, but to be someone who dies a sacrificial death for each and every one of us. And God, I pray that if anyone in here does not acknowledge you as their Lord and Savior, that you would touch their heart tonight and help them to realize the importance of that. But not only that, God, that you would give them the boldness to come talk to me or Haley or any other adult <clears throat> about what that means. God, I know that's a scary thing, and I know that it, it can be, it can be, it can feel embarrassing to talk about that. But God, give them the courage, give them the boldness to approach someone tonight to talk about that because it's the most important thing they could ever do. God, I thank you for these students. I thank you for their love for you, their commitment to you. I pray that you bless them as we go throughout our night and as we go from here, that you would be with them and you would protect them. God, we thank you again for all that you do and we thank you for sending your son Jesus that we celebrate during this Christmas season and we pray that you would just be with us all as we go from here. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.